0: so we're going through a series right now about our vision uh for the year ahead and and for like what we want to achieve as you know young adults who you know meet together um and so again second week at the end of the third week which is next week um we will uh, have a survey for people to fill out um about what you've heard tonight uh, you know over the past three weeks um and and hopefully you will catch up if if you were keen to continue in this place. Um, but also about, um, yeah, the future and, and kind of where you guys are at as individuals as well as where you want to be at as a group as well. Uh, so th- for those of you who were here last week, can someone give a recap of what we talked about? I can't actually. If no one was listening, except for John. So we should defos connect and engage with God's word. I think that's a pretty right. cool sermon title. Yes. Oh, that was the sermon <laughs> so, uh, Give God space and time yeah. at one point. Good. So, yeah, what, we, what we're doing is connect and engage. The whole vision for uh, the year ahead is the tagline is connect and engage. Um, and three avenues that we want to connect and engage in. The first week was connect and engage with the word of God. The second week, this week, is going to be about serving. Um, and then the third week is going to be about community. So uh, we ended last week with a challenge uh, about the Word of God, how to connect with the Word of God, how to engage with the Word of God. So, um, and uh, yeah, grab one of those chairs. Yeah. And one of the, uh, well, w- the challenge was to read the Bible every single day for an hour to read the Bible every single day for an hour. Hands up if anyone did that. <coughs> attempted or? Yeah, attempted. Well, I'll go for attempted. Okay, cool. Did anything happen, for those of you who attempted it, any interesting things? No one got I got to read the Bible for an hour, for one day. <laughs> That's good. the second day, was a bit less than an hour and the third day didn't happen. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you for your honesty. No good stories. All right. Well, that's disappointing. Keep keep doing it, um, and it will it will bring fruit. I promise you. And uh, I will keep asking until someone tells us something. Um, okay. So we're going to talk about serving today. Um, before we do that, let's pray. And, and yeah, we'll see how we go dear Lord, we thank you for the um, time that we can spend together. We thank you for who you are. We thank you that you love us and that you want to speak to us. We are listening, so please talk to us and convict us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so connect and engage. Um, I guess, you know, why did we choose the three things? Uh, The Word of God, because if you're not founded and based in the Word of God and what God says about himself and who he reveals himself to be, well, then you are living a lie, essentially. So uh, that's that. Service, uh, the reason why we're talking about that tonight is because if you are not outputting, if you are not doing something, if your faith is not resulting in action and activity, you are also dead. Uh, We are not uh, caterpillars in a cocoon. We are sharks swimming. You need to keep moving. You need to keep active. That's okay. Um, So when it comes to serving, there's a lot of preconceived notions about serving. And, uh, you know, I guess what comes to mind when you hear the word serving, like as a Christian, what comes to mind? Very good. You're expecting me to talk. You're all keeping silent. Fantastic. So, one thing that could come to your mind, perhaps, I can't read your mind, but if if I'm correct, then yes, it was the Holy Spirit that told me this, is someone standing on top of a platform, giving a sermon, uh, speaking with fiery passion. Um, Another thing that you might think of is you might think of going out to Africa. And delivering aid to the local orphanage and being a wonderful missionary and then, uh, you know, I don't know, uh, singing Christian songs with the children um, after you give them, you know, some medicine or something. Or another thing you might think of is you might think of uh, being in Sunday school and uh, teaching and, and loving the, the kids and, and being there to help them and serve them. And that's fantastic as well. And I'm speaking as if all of this stuff is bad. It's not, it's all great. <laughs> um, but have you ever considered that uh, talking to a friend when they're down, that's serving God? Have you ever considered um, doing your absolute best in your studies and not, not being the class clown or not being a disruptive member and making the teacher's life hard um, and trying your best, that is serving God. That is portraying God well uh, in your in your environment. Have you ever considered that, um, uh, as, as Jesus puts it, visiting people in prison uh, is, is serving God and showing them some love and some care? Um, serving God is not... Uh, yeah, it's not a prescriptive thing and it's not necessarily a church role. In fact, if that's your view of serving God, well, odds are most of us will never serve God, right? Most of us will never be a pulpit preacher or, you know, do Sunday school lifelong or whatever. Um, So, yeah, you, yeah. And let me ask you this as well. Who's called to serve? That's right. If you say you're a follower of Jesus... you are are called to serve. There is no exceptions. Um, And uh, the question is, why? Absolutely right. Let's have a look at our first uh, verse, and that is in John chapter 13. So why do we serve? Well, because our master serves. So... uh, This was just before the Last Supper. We're going to read from verses 3 to 5, and then we're going to jump to 12 to 17, okay? So Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper, he laid aside his outer garment, and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should also do, just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. And what Jesus is revealing here is a couple of things. But most importantly, what he's revealing is that this is what God is like. God is the God who serves. Our, our Lord and Savior, the one who we call Lord and God, he's the one who came down to die for us. He's the one who washed stinky feet, and these aren't feet of, you know, some fresh Nikes and, you know, uh, staying indoors in air-conditioned rooms. These are the feet of people who wear sandals all day long and out in the stinking heat where, with poo all over the, 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 um, the dirt roads and everything like that. He's washing their feet, and the towel is on him. The towel he's using to dry those stinky, yucky feet are on him. So that is our God. And so if we follow this God, then you're going to get dirty yourself. You've got to get in, in the action. You've got, to, you've got to expect to find yourself washing some feet. And not only that, but he says, um, blessed are you if, you if you do them. Not only is it something that we should just expect because Jesus himself did it, but we're blessed if we do them. Blessed in this kind of, it was such a church word, right? Blessed. What does blessed mean? It's good for you. It's good for you. It's good for you to serve. It's good for you to learn what it looks like to uh, think of others before yourself. It's good for you to put others first and to act like Jesus. And you know why it's good for you? Because it makes you more like Jesus. Because it's a discipleship thing. Because as you serve, you become more like him. You become transformed to be like him. And that is the name of the game, everyone, if you didn't know that by now. The reason why we follow Jesus is to be like him. And if you're following Jesus for another reason, well, that you read your Bible, uh, do an hour a day, and then come back to me and tell me if I'm wrong, okay? All right, so that's one reason why we serve. Can anyone think of any other reason why we serve? Well, because we're told to. Um, So not just here, but uh, hands up if you've ever heard of something called the Great Commission. Great. Matthew chapter uh, 28. Let's have a look at it. Verses 19 and 20. This is just after Jesus is resurrected and he's about to go uh, to heaven. Okay. And this is what he says to his disciples. The very last thing he says to them while he's on earth. So, you know, when you're reading a story, if you've studied English or literature, when you're reading a story, a character's last words and a character's first words are pretty significant, pretty important. There's a reason why this is the last thing that Matthew documents Jesus is saying. And this is what he says. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. His very last thing that he says to his disciples and recorded for all his other disciples throughout the, the thousands of years later for us to read is go and make disciples. Command. It's not, you know, if it's not too much trouble, uh, you know, it might be a good idea for you to kind of like tell people about what happened with me and all that kind of stuff. No, it's go and make disciples. Yeah? And again, serving, you know, some of us might think, well, what's the point of serving? Right? Like, why do I serve? Other than, other than the reasons that we should serve, like, what are we trying to achieve when we serve? Well, really, it boils down to one thing, and that's to make disciples. And I know that for some of us in this room, especially if you've had bad experience with church, um, that can sound a bit like militaristic and weird, um, and I don't want you to feel that way, but here's the deal. We have an antidote for people, in, and that antidote, his name is Jesus. And uh, the idea is that we need, God calls us to save people, God calls us to share that antidote with as many people as possible. And so everything we do to serve is to point to the one who is the ultimate one who can save, right? So when you wash the feet, when you go visit someone in prison, when you go serve the Sunday school kids, when you uh, talk to a friend that's s- struggling and in need, when you do really, really good it's, you know, in your studies or, or you know, whatever, you are trying to reflect and display the antidote. You're trying to reflect the fact that you've got a cure and people should be wanting what you have kind of thing, yeah? And ultimately, ideally, you can actually explicitly tell people about it, yeah? So, uh, obedience, we should just do it out of obedience. The last point I have as to why we actually go uh, serve is because it's out of love. Again, you've got an antidote, yeah? Imagine if, uh, you know, um, imagine a snake came right into the middle of this room, went straight for Mitch, bit his ankle and I being a snake expert realized it's a brown snake, one of the most deadly snakes in all. And I you know what? In my car I've got the antidote kit. But I just sit there watching Mitchell and I'm like, oh geez, that sucks. Um uh, someone called the ambulance. Uh this is horrible, you know. That would be extremely unloving, right? Extremely unloving. Even if Mitch didn't know that I had the antidote in my car. That's extremely unloving. So why do we why do we do this? Because it's out of love. So in Romans chapter ten, uh, Paul writes this in verse fourteen to fifteen. How then will they call on Him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in Him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it's written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. In other words, when people see you uh, walking down the street or walking into the Sunday school classroom or calling them up, they see your caller ID on their phone, they're supposed, to, they're supposed to be happy. They're supposed to be anticipating something good and anticipating that you would give them life, whatever that may be, and little glimpses of Jesus at a time until hopefully finally God opens a door for you to, 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 to share something with them, yeah? So, yeah, so look, why do we serve? Because we follow someone uh, who, who serves, we follow a God who, who serves, and it's, it's a discipleship thing. It blesses us, it's good for us, and it transforms us to be more like him. Because we love people, and so we should serve because we love them, and because um, uh, of the fact that uh, we, we just told to, it's an obedience thing. Okay. Believe it or not, that's a preamble. I am sorry. How are you going? You okay? All right. Okay. Apologies. Um, Those of you who have never heard me talk before, I I go on for a while. Mm -hmm. So um, let's talk about, so connect and engage, right? So let's be practical. How do we actually connect with service, right? So lots of us in this room... Uh, Hands up if you've ever had like a service role. Let's talk about a formal service role first. So like, for example, uh, you've led in Sunday school, you've done something for worship, you've uh, gave a message or, or something along those lines. Hands up if you've ever experienced something like that. Okay, cool. Now, hands up if you've done something that you have considered service before God. In other words, you've looked after a friend um, that you know God has put in your path. You have uh, been intentional to, like, say, hey, let's read the Bible together. Or, you know, look after someone in some capacity that you knew God was kind of calling you to. Hands up if you've ever been in that position. Beautiful. Great. Awesome. Okay, now question becomes, and for many of us, the question becomes, okay, I, I, I believe that I should serve, but I don't know if I can, I don't know if I have capacity, I don't know if this or that, and how do I get my foot in the door or whatever, or mm, I'm not really quite sure, and you know, I don't want to like, go ahead of God, because what if he's not in it, and what if I blah, 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 and all this kind of stuff. So, the, what we're going to try to answer tonight is uh, how you can identify things in your life and what god might be trying to do in you and through you to serve because at the end of the day remember this is a vision and mission series the idea is every single person who calls themselves a part of this community should be serving that's the vision right the vision is every single one of us is active right and so we want to empower and equip each other to be able to be active okay I don't know what that alarm is. Hopefully we will not die um, and this will not be the last thing you hear in your life. Child from this. Sounds <laughs> good. <laughs> okay. So, um, any ideas, how, or, or uh, tips from your own life? How have you felt uh, the call of God for you to serve? Anyone got any experience? How do do you go about, uh, like, in your own experience, how have you gone about um, serving God or, or, like, finding out what God might want you to do to serve Him? Or, if you will, connect with what God might want to kind of call you to do. Easiest one is finding gifting and then serving that one. Danny boy, that is my first point. Thank you very much. So, yes, gifts. All right, now. Hands up if you've heard of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now, this is a can of worms, okay? Depending on the church of origin that you go to and all this kind of stuff, you will uh, hear a whole bunch of different things. I'm not going to be controversial tonight, okay? So I'm sorry if you are hoping for controversy. But, um, but we're just going gonna to read uh, a couple of really famous passages and um, uh, tell me what you think, okay? So the first passage we're going to have a look at is uh, Romans chapter 12, and we're going to go from verse 3 to 8. "'For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you "'not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, "'but to think with sober judgment, "'each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. "'For as in one body we have many members, "'and the members do not all have the same function, "'so we, though many, are one body in Christ, "'and individually members of of one another.' Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, in proportion to our faith. If service, in our serving. Now, service here is literally the word for like waiting on a table. So, like, you know, like caring for people and things like that. Um, uh, The one who teaches, in his teaching. The one who exhorts, in his exhortation. The one who contributes, in generosity. The one who leads, with zeal. The one who does uh, acts of mercy, with cheerfulness. Okay, So Paul lists a few of the s- certain gifts of the Spirit uh, near the end, and you'll see that they're all quite practical, by and large. Um, uh, and uh, so he says, hey, everyone, uh, remember, you are a church body. You are supposed to be one. Yeah, And out of that one, you're all individuals, right? Uh, me and my brother even, even though we're brothers, we are not the same person. Those of you who know us know that we are very different. And so, therefore, there are different gifts, right? There are different inherent abilities in uh, people. Now, they're, they're when a lot of the time when we think about spiritual gifts, we tend to think about uh, preaching and speaking in tongues and prophesying and all these kinds of things. And these are spiritual gifts. Um, but, la- ladies and gentlemen, it does not have to be something wild like that and if it is something wild like that good for you like fantastic that's awesome Um, but honestly uh, literally the question you should ask yourself when it comes to gifts is what has God created me for what am I unique in what is the spark that he gave me he knows you by name he knit you uh, together in your mother's womb he loves you intimately he has a purpose and a plan for you what is it What is it that he's given you that uh, you can't really see in anyone else? And again, as Paul puts it here, it's not to uh, to be arrogant, but with sober judgment, each according to your measure. And in Corinthian, First Corinthians, chapter twelve, verses four to seven, Paul says this. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities but it's the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. In other words, ladies and gentlemen, it doesn't matter what your gift is either. Like, don't get a big head. Uh, It's the same God, and you're you're doing the same thing. You're serving the same person, uh, our God. And you're doing it for the same end, which is the glory and the good of God and to usher his, his kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven, right? So the question that we ask ourselves, the first question we should ask ourselves when we ask God, like, what do you want me to do to serve you? Is, well, what, what has he given me? What capacities and gifts has he already instilled in my life? And uh, that might be something you want to write down to reflect on later. Like, you know, in your quiet time, God what have you given me? What, uh, what do you want to use in my life? Okay, so that's one, one thing that can help us connect with what God might want, be wanting us to serve. What else? Any other things that come to mind? Just like what may itself. Very good, yes. So uh, I have subheading that as um, life what comes up in life? Um, uh, so, um, when you are, you know, um, when you have a friend that is, let's say depressed or anxious, okay? a friend is depressed or anxious. And that friend is, you, like, you can tell. And they're disconnecting. And your other friendship group, they're noticing as well. And... Um, You have the Spirit of God in you. You are someone who is supposed to be ready at the split second to wash anyone's feet, no matter how messy or hard it will be for you. Um, And so you know that, you see that in this person, you see that there's a need there, and you see that God's stirring something in you. Um, And so you call that person up, or you go visit them, or you say, hey, let's hang out. Um, That... That's doing life, life, serving in life, yeah? Um, Let's have a look at Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercy of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is a spiritual worship. In other words, when you are living your life, you're supposed to be looking at your life not as your own. You're supposed to be looking at your life and saying, hey, I'm on the altar for God. And um, whatever he wants me to do, however he wants me to do it, um, and and being sensitive to what he might have to say, and Paul goes on to later say in, in chapter twelve um, and and as you do this, then you will be able to identify the good, pleasing, perfect will of God so it 's as you engage with that service and as you engage and and say to God, "My life is yours that 's when he starts to reveal to you where you can be used, where he he needs you to 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 step in. Um, uh, Sarah has a great story um, of when, she, before we were dating and married, um, she uh, was sitting down at a at a cafe, and um, she felt like the, she saw a woman in a wheelchair, and uh, she was like, oh, uh, she just felt like in her head, in her heart, uh, God like said to her, go pray for this woman, and Sarah was like, what the heck are you talking about? I don't know this woman. Oh, I'm going to pray for her to jump out of the wheelchair. Like, what are you talking about? Like, what am I going to pray for? And so she's sitting there wrestling and, like, feeling stressed out. Like, should I? Shouldn't I? Is it weird? What's going to happen? And then two random dudes came up to this, like, you know, out of nowhere, came up to this woman. And they knelt down by this woman. And they clearly started praying. She could see from where she was sitting. They were, they were they, like, she nodded and they started to pray together. And it's a moment to say that when God convicts you to do something for him, say yes, you are, you, are, you are on the altar. You're on the altar. Your body, your heart, your mind, it's surrendered to God. So whenever he says, do something, do it. What's the worst that can happen? Nothing. So do it. Um, we, we live in Australia, thank God. Other places you could die, but not in Australia. So do it, you know. Um, another passage. So again, the Great Commission, uh, go therefore make disciples. The word go uh, is literally the word for as you're traveling. So Jesus is not saying, okay, guys, stop everything you're doing. Uh, drop out of uni. Um, stop, uh, you know, stop. I don't know. Stop your, your meal right now. Uh, give away all your possessions and Go. To, and, and, and make disciples. No, he's saying, as you do life, serve. As you do life, serve. So as you are going, you are constantly, your body is on the altar, your mind, your heart is on the altar, and you're asking God, what do you want from me? How can I serve you? How can I um, do what will glorify you? Okay, last thing I've got is uh, calling. Calling. This is a tricky one because lots of us in this room. Hands up if you feel a sense of destiny over your life. Okay, great. Like, good. You should. Um, (laughs) You were created by the living God who loves you and knows you by name and who has a will for your life. So you should feel uh, a a calling and a destiny over your life. Um, And again, that's a can of worms. Um, that we're not going to get into tonight. Uh, But uh, what I do want to point out is uh, that this is a biblical thing. Um, And particularly when it comes to serving God, this is a biblical thing. Um, So let's have a look at Acts chapter 9. So have you ever heard of this guy called Saul of Tarshish? Yeah. AKA Paul. Yeah. So he's, he's killing Christians uh, just after Jesus has been resurrected and as Christianity is starting to kick off. Um, and he's a very devout Jewish man. Um, and uh, so, yeah, he's killing Christians because he's, he's saying, bro, these guys are heretics and, and they're uh, messing with, with, with the word of God. So he's killing people. And then all of a sudden he gets struck by a blinding light as he's on the way to a place to kill more Christians. And uh, he's struck blind, and he hears a voice, God's voice, and God says to him, Hey, Saul, why are you you persecuting me? What's going on here? And he's like, What are you talking about, Lord? And then he says, Hey, I'm Jesus, the one that you're persecuting. You're going around killing my, my people. This is not on. This is not right. And anyway, so this happens. Paul, uh, Saul, um, is, uh, like, you know, dazed and confused. And then we enter uh, this guy called Ananias. And Ananias, he's a a, a Christian man. He's a godly man. And God appears to him, and he says to him, Hey, Ananias, I want you to go hang out with this guy called Saul and pray for him. Uh, Because I struck him blind. So pray for him, and you're going to restore his sight. And Ananias is like, wait, wait, wait. Saul, that guy who's coming here to kill us and round don't, God, don't you know that he's killing us and he's rounding us up? He hates us. And God says this in verse 15. The Lord said to him, "Go, for he's a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. God had a calling over Saul 's life, even while Saul was killing uh, those who loved God. God had a calling for him. And probably precisely because he was doing that, God had this calling for him to make him a testimony and a witness um, of his his power, of God's power and his extreme grace. So uh, Ananias obeys and he goes to to Saul and he prays for him. And uh, he has this radical conversion and he believes in Jesus. And it's great, fantastic, right? But... Before we read any of the amazing things that Saul uh, then becomes Paul, or he was always Paul. Anyway, Saul, Paul did. Um, Before we read any of that stuff, uh, this happens in Acts chapter 13, verses 2 to 3. He's sitting down with a bunch of other Christian people, and they're having a nice prayer meeting, and they're they're fasting and everything. And this is what happens: while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, "Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them." Then, after fasting and, pr- and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. So the call was on Saul's, Paul's life. Then they were commissioned. The call was declared, um, and then they were commissioned. And the idea here is that, uh, believe it or not, you, even though we are not Saul's and Paul's, and our words will not, probably, hopefully, but probably not, uh, will hopefully, uh, will we'll not live on 2,000 years after we die. But we're not Saul's and Paul's. But still, that same God who chose Saul and, and, and had a plan for him has a calling and a plan for you. And uh, you should be seeking it out. You should be actively desiring it. You should be actively uh, digging in and leaning into God to uh, allow him to reveal it in your life. Because if you live a life that thinks, all I'm going to do is I'm going to work a nine-to-five, raise a family, uh, make some money, go on a few holidays, and then peace out, uh, you have... You have significantly undervalued the God who created you and is calling you to something that would change, if not the world, which, by the way, with 12 people, God changed the world. Um, If not the world, then at the very least, a bunch of lives of those who he wants to bring around you. And the value of a life, what is the value of a life? To God, it is his very life. That's the value of a life to God. So will you... Look at your life with that same intentional uh, ideal of there is purpose, there is calling, there is a commission over my life. God has the answer to that. And even though it may not be revealed in one fell swoop, and FYI, for Paul, it was not revealed in one fell swoop. It is something that he intuited as he started to serve and to minister. And he eventually realized, my deal is for the Gentiles. That's my job, right? And he, But before that, anyway, it was a journey, right? So it's not something that necessarily will just drop from heaven into your lap. But what it is is it exists. It exists. And our job as, as people who follow Jesus is to not uh, assume it doesn't exist and not to disregard it and ignore it, but rather be intentional about how we live our lives to discover it. Yeah? Okay? And it's not for your glory. It's not for your glory. If you are looking for the next big, you know, you want to be the next big uh, sensation to hit the whatever the podcast waves like sometimes I fantasize about, or if you want to uh, be the, you know, the greatest, uh, I don't know, um, you know, dentist in the world. That uh, If if that's what you... Sorry, Freddie. But if that's... (laughs) If that's what you are, um, if that's the idea in your head, again, that's not from God. You need to be in a place of humility. You need to ask uh, of God, what is it that you want? And, and his answer His answer will probably uh, not be um, uh, easy or comfortable, but his answer will be worthwhile and will give you all. He came to give us life to the full, and it will give you life to the full if you live it. And also, it will bring more, than, uh, bring more benefit than just your own personal joy and glory. It will bring something way better, which is his joy and glory. Um, and that is far more, uh, yeah, our joy and glory, if you've lived enough life on this earth, and all of us, I think, have... Our joy and glory is very fleeting and very temporary. So if you're living for your own joy and glory, uh, you are going to be very disappointed in life at some point or another if you haven't been already. But when you live for God's joy and glory, there is no disappointment. You live in a continual sense of purpose and peace and joy um, because of what he provides for you. And if you don't believe me, try it out. Honestly, try it out and see because uh, the proof is in the pudding. Okay? All right so there's a calling and commission and Paul uh, later on reflecting on his life writes a letter to the church in Ephesus in the book of Ephesians chapter 2 he says this about his uh, what he thinks about calling and commission he says we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them so when he when he reflects on his life he can honestly say i am god's handiwork i'm crafted by the creator through Christ Jesus and what he did on the cross for me, and through striking me blind and waking me up, um, through all of this, I have become the, the, the vessel that I need to be to fulfill the good works that he planned for me ahead of time. And I'm walking in that plan and purpose. And that's what we are supposed to do. Okay? All right. So that's connecting. Yeah? That's connecting with our service. So recapping. Uh, one, Ask God, what's my gift? If you don't know already, you probably have a bit of an inkling of what makes you special and what kind of things God has seeded in your life that, that you would classify and he would classify as a gift. So what are your gifts? And that will be a good jumping off point. What's your calling? Um, and that's something that will reveal itself over time as you press into God. And then uh, just day-to-day life. As things come up, as God prompts you, as he nudges you, remember you are a, an offering on the altar. Your life does not belong to you. Your heart is, is his. And so you say yes to him whenever he challenges you to serve him. Yeah. So that's connecting with service. How are you going? Anyone want to ask anything or bring anything up or add anything all right great that means i'm doing a good job apparently then so that's fantastic all right so engage then so how do you actually do this uh in life and what what does that actually look like in life is this practical so far i hope it i'm trying to be practical okay good Fantastic. Okay, okay. I'm seeing a few people not so. That's good. All right. So, engage. How do we engage with our serving mandate? So, um, Colossians chapter 3. Let's have a look at that. And we're going to read verse 17 first, and then we're going to read 23 to 24. And this is what it says Whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Whatever you do, Work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Jesus Christ. So do everything for God. That's pretty practical, and and that's how you do it. That's what it looks like in your life. So um, uh, tell me, Matty, tell me what happened uh, today. Just give me a quick rundown of your day. Okay. Great. Yeah. Anything interesting happened there? Okay. <laughs> All right. Fantastic. Perfectly ordinary TAFE day. Okay. When, when you go to TAFE, when any of us go to any of our places of study, uh, do it for God. When you're sitting there listening to a lecture or in a tut. Um, when your friend says, "Hey, can you help me with this uh, study thing or whatever," or when you know someone else says, you know, tries to whatever, whatever, do it for God. That's that's how you flex the muscles of what it looks like to serve God. Um, okay. S-s- yeah, let's move on. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. The next point is. Be faithful in the little. So I want want to, but I won't, read the parable of the talents. Uh, I'll recap it. It probably will be quicker if we read it, but I'll (laughs) recap it. Um, So the parable of the talents is where Jesus talks about uh, these three guys and he gives them uh, talents, which not... Talents is in your gifts. Uh, talents is in money um, and quantities of money. So one of them, he gives them a lot. Another one, he gives them a medium amount. Another one, he gives them a small amount. Okay? And then uh, the king who, who allocates these talents to these servants, he, he goes away. He's like, I'll, I'll see you guys later. I'm looking forward to see what you, what you do with this stuff. And um, then he comes back after a long time. And when he comes back, the guy who had a lot doubled his, his uh, money. A guy who had a medium doubled his money a guy who had one who had little he was a bitter and in Jesus' word a wicked lazy servant and what he did was he just buried it in the ground and he was like when the guy comes back I'll just give him what he gave me and like screw it like I don't want to like it's too much hassle too much bother and his um his justification to the king when he comes back is he says you sow where you do not reap and you 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 know you get all this stuff and you know why should I why should you're a hard man and why should I benefit you anymore so here you go here's your here's your one talent and peace and the the king the master says to him you're wicked you're lazy and he says if that was true even if that was true and by the way it is not true because this is a very Good king. This is a guy who's giving a lot of money to these servants and like, and not only does he give them money, but when he, when they double their money, he actually says, off you go, you keep it. And, uh, here's more bigger and more amazing things for you to, to be in charge of. So he said, even if that was true about me, um, uh, then why didn't you just put it in a bank or something and give me some like interest from the bank? Like if you really think I'm harsh and I'm, you know, this kind of guy, why, why wouldn't you do that at the very least? Um, But no, you're wicked, you're lazy, get out of here. You're not going to enjoy anything of mine, go. And uh, what are you doing with your life? What are you doing with your resources, with your literal talents, with your um, time, with your energy? What are you doing? Uh, Do you see it as belonging to you? Or do you see it as God's? And you're a steward, you're a caretaker of what God has given you. And if you view yourself as a steward and a caretaker, how much effort are you putting in maximizing the returns, right? And again, it's not for you. It's not returns for you. It's returns for him. Um, And if you're not, what's the motive behind it? How do you view God? Because it must be a, a distortion in the way you view God. Or you're just lazy, like this servant. Um, but the point is not to bring you down. The point is also that when you are faithful with a little, when you are faithful to with a little, and the amount of money that the king entrusted to the servants was not little. Like, uh, the estimated that the guy who got the most had about a hundred thousand, uh, like uh, denari or whatever. Like, it's a lot. Um, but To God, it's a little. God is the God of the infinite. So anyway, point is, um, when you are faithful with whatever God gives you, do you know that you will be entrusted with more? Do you want to be entrusted with more? But if you're not faithful, well, even the things that you think you have, that you think belong to you, use it or lose it kind of thing. It goes. God's not going to continue to dole out resource uh, to... People who will not maximise that resource. Um, that's a difficult thing to hear, um, and not only is it a difficult thing to hear. I know because personal experience. We don't view life that way. We view life as belonging to us. We view our nine to five and our you know downtime and all that kind of stuff as just my time. But it's not. It's not your time. Um, and so, yeah. How are you maximizing it for the glory of God? And know that if you are faithful, He will give you more uh, in the best possible way—not not in a not a not in a detrimental, you go crazy way, but in a, in a, in a good, healthy, life-giving way. Okay. So, um, next thing is um, uh, to 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 engage with service by viewing it as empowered by the Spirit. Uh, A lot of us who have served eventually get to a point where we feel like, oh, my tank is empty. I can't do another youth meeting. I can't do another uh, Sunday school meeting. I can't see those kids again. I can't look at your dead-eyed faces, not listening to a word that I... I'm just kidding. Um, I'm joking, I'm joking. Um, But, uh, you know, you feel your tank go down. And you feel yourself sapped of energy, and the way that we need to engage with serving God is to realize that it's not on you, it's never on you, it's never dependent on you and your energy. It's always dependent on God and His uh, Spirit. Um, let's have a look. I will prove it to you. First Peter chapter four, verses ten to eleven. Um, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks is one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves is one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. So just like the outcome of the ministry and the service does not benefit you, it benefits and glorifies God, so too is the effort behind it. It is not your effort. It is God's uh, effort and strength that motivates it. And last but not least, um, how do we engage with service, uh, with humility, and with love? Um, And if you are going to do anything for God and it is going to be out of a sense of arrogance or pride because I can do this better than anyone, or you're going to do it because, you know what, I need to teach these people a lesson or whatever, then you are already failing. You're already not doing God's will. It has to be out of humility and love. And um, a couple of verses for you. First Corinthians chapter one, verse 27 to 29. God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. He chose what's weak in the world to shame the strong. He chose what's low and despised in the world, even things that are not to bring to nothing things that are so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. In other words, mate, you are just another tool in the toolbox. It's a tool that God loves and died for and would do anything to see the benefit of, but you're a tool in the toolbox. Remember that. And in fact, the duller the tool you are, the more God takes pleasure in using you because it means that he gets to show off more of his ability and his strength and more of what his capacity can give in people's lives. So the more you think of yourself as the sharpest tool in the shed, the more that you will just not be used Because God's not interested in using the best. He loves using the weakest and the least. And that is a pattern that you can read from Genesis all the way to the end. And it is something that he revealed in his own uh, self when he came as Jesus and lived a life of a carpenter, lived a life of an itinerant person who, had no, who was homeless, um, and uh, eventually died on a cross. The, one of the worst and most humiliating ways to die. So that is the way that God operates, um, is by, by, uh, by humility and through people who have humility. And last but not least, I think you all know this verse, John chapter 3, verse 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God's way that he served us, the way he served us, was through love and he gave himself to us. And that is the image that we are to represent and that we are to live out of. So if you're doing it with any arrogance, you're doing it without love in your heart, uh, then please exit stage and let someone else take over until you can learn those simple lessons. So, challenge. Every week there's going to be a challenge. And at the end of this series, uh, again, like we expect... Again, this is not pretty words. This is the vision for who we want to be um, as a community as well as individuals. So the challenge for today um, is, are you serving? And again, doesn't have to be a formal ministry role. Like, are you actively looking out for the things... In your life that God is trying to highlight to you, people, um, situations, circumstances, needs of others, uh, needs of the church, um, and the church has needs, all you need to do is talk to some of the leaders and they'll tell you, oh yeah, we need this, we need this, we need that, we need someone who can do this and help out with this and all that kind of stuff. Even the chairs and the tables today, there's a need there. It's difficult to do it if you're just Daniel and Dave, right? We've got to kind of pull together. This is not our place. This is a borrowed space and borrowed time. So are you looking out for the, the, the opportunities that God might be wanting to challenge you to step up and to serve? And um, if you're not, Why? If you are like, what's the? How are you viewing God? Is it a? Is it a? Is it a problem in the relationship, or is it uh, just that you don't know God and that you need to know Him? Like, what's what's behind that? But also, if you are actively looking, well, okay, how are you going to engage? What are your gifts? Ask God. What are what are what are the um? What, who are the people around you? What are the life? Uh, situations that are going on right now um, that uh, God might be highlighting. And say, yeah, your friend, this person, they need you. The, uh, this situation, your uni work, da, da da Like, what is it that He's trying to highlight to you? And um, if you are serving, are you doing it with humility? Are you doing it with love? Are you doing it uh, recognizing that you're not the you're not the sharpest tool in the shed? And are you doing it um, uh, depending on God's Uh, power to empower you or are you trying to do it all by yourself because you're ace and and you're the only one who can do it. So that's all I had to share with you guys Um, with that challenge again to land it and to make it real and to try to make it concrete. uh, Pick One or two people that you trust, that you could talk to, and decide together today, before you leave, decide that you will uh, touch base. And by the end of this coming week, uh, you'll touch base about how you've been and what God might have been revealing. And try to read your Bible an hour each day. It doesn't have to be an hour, although an hour is... You know, you'll probably get more out of an hour than like ten minutes crammed in at the end of the day. So, yeah, try try to do it um, with with time and and with energy on your side. Um, but yeah, so that's the challenge. Okay, let's pray. Father God, uh, thank you for uh, what we just heard. Lord, let it penetrate into our hearts and transform the way we view others, the way we live our lives, the way we. Connect uh, with the communities that you've placed us in, Lord. Let uh, acts of service flow in our hearts and in our minds, Lord, that we're seeking uh, opportunities to serve you, Lord, to serve others. And by serving others, Lord, we we serve you, uh, Lord, to genuinely transform our hearts. Let us have your mindset that we see others uh, and we extend the love that you gave to us to those who are around us. Uh, Thank you, Lord. In your name. Amen.